Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. We are your hosts, Danny and Sammy. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about things that we wish we knew before we entered our first bikini competitions. So first thing I would say is the biggest one, which is your starting point. I think that's so important and it's definitely something that I underlooked when I entered my first competition. Um, would you agree with that, Danny? Yeah, 100%. I think both me and Sammy started our first contest prep in a similar place in regards to body composition. Throughout my first prep, um, I lost 30 pounds. How much did you lose, Sammy, in yours? I lost, I know in kilos, it was, I started at my prep at 70 kilos and I ended at 57, so 13 kilos, which is... So it's a very similar amount of weight that we both lost. And there are a lot of downsides which come with that. So um, it is obviously a long contest prep for one. So you're going to have to diet for a very long period of time, which comes with its own negatives, such as um, your hormones aren't necessarily going to be in quite a good of a place as if you had less body fat to lose. Um, you're probably going to end up on lower calories, on higher cardio if you do have more body fat to lose. Um, and it's just it's just makes it a bit of a harder process in general really yeah i think it also makes it harder to stay focused you know like if you have a shorter prep you can just go right 14 week prep or whatever i'm so focused i'm gonna freaking smash it if you're doing like i personally did 24 week prep yeah the end i was literally like oh my god when is this gonna end and like you don't really want to be in that position also to me, because I never prepped before, never entered competition, competition prep, um, I kind of viewed it more like a fat loss phase. But in reality, it's a lot more than that. Because when you get to those, you know, lower numbers, your body's going to really fight you. So yeah. it's going to be a lot harder than just like losing weight. So that's why your starting point needs to be really good in terms of just your body fat, where your calories are at. You don't want any diet fatigue or any menstrual cycle issues like i entered my contest prep having irregular periods like that's not good yeah and you've also got to bear in mind that the more body fat you have to lose throughout your prep and the longer and harder your prep is and the more drastic it is the more at risk you are of losing muscle tissue throughout your prep and obviously that matters because that's going to make a huge difference to what you present on stage. If you're carrying more muscle tissue, you're going to be leaner. You're going to look more shapely and full. You're not going to look flat and you're going to present a much better physique at the end of it. Yeah, definitely. And that just goes back to seeing how it's not just a, a fat loss. It's not just fat loss. Yeah, exactly. Um, and another thing for me was that... I wish I wasn't so naive to what people necessarily like. For example, some girls are assisted in bikini. It is quite common now. I was very naive to that when I first entered the fitness or competing industry. I had no idea that girls took like steroids and fat burners, etc. And I just wish I had an awareness of that because obviously you go on Instagram, you compare yourself to other people. And if I had known that other people were on fat burners and steroids, etc., I would have probably been a bit kind of kinder to myself sort of thing. Yeah. Um, in your first season of competing, did you enter junior and um, open? No, I just did junior. 
junior. Yeah, so did I. So I think when you, if you can, if you're a junior, if you can enter that, because I think it puts a bit less pressure and less girls are likely to be assisted. So yeah. in my first season, I also only entered junior. But having said that, something I wish I did was also enter the open. Um, just yeah. so I can kind of see where I stand. But definitely, I think you, you just need to, like we've mentioned in the previous podcast, don't compare your chapter one to someone's chapter seven, you know? Yes, exactly. You're competing against girls who've competed previously. Yeah, and that, that brings us on to the point as well. There are now first-timers shows and first-timers categories. So don't kind of like give those a miss if you are a first-timer. Why not do that to start with, to ease yourself into the industry and then do another show after? It's just more stage experience. Why would you pass that opportunity? You're only going to get one chance to compete as a first-timer. So why not take it? And there are also natural federations as well, which are becoming more popular, like the UK DFBA, where you know you're on a level playing field and you're only competing against natural athletes. So if that's something that you've got in the back of your head and you don't want to compete against assisted girls, then compete with the natural federation. Because ultimately, if you choose to compete with a non-tested fed like the PCA, you've got to accept the fact that you're competing against potentially assisted athletes. Yeah, and you don't want to be in the position where if you don't place where you want to, you're just going to be thinking in your head, oh, it's because they're assisted. Because, like, they work equally as hard, you know? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's probably best to just kind of avoid that and just do something you're more comfortable with. With federations like IFBB or Tube Bros, like, the standard is really high. There. Most of the people who compete in those federations have been competing for years. So yeah. you can research... Um, you know other federations yeah and me and sammy were saying also before we started this podcast federations like two bros are also really expensive so they're a big commitment they're a very competitive federation and they also cost a lot to compete with so make sure you're ready before you enter into those competitions um and before you enter a contest prep i would make sure you are aware of the differences between each federation and where you want to compete sort of thing and what your goals are yeah i was just gonna say when it comes to goals like if you're just doing this for fun like as a hobby you know just to stand on the stage in front of your friends then probably doing two bros is not such a good idea because it's quite expensive you have to have a specific bikini they really mock you on your makeup your hair everything you're gonna put a lot of money into that um Whereas if you do, there's ones like Miami Pro, it's more fun. Yeah. It's more about like the day, you know, like the show and everything. Um, but yeah, and that leads me on to saying um, how posing is definitely something that I underlooked when I entered my first contest prep. So I did my first posing uh, workshop when I was 16 weeks out. And at 16 weeks out, I wasn't, well, I wasn't that lean. So after I came home, I was like, I'm not going to start practicing now because I just can't see myself. Like, I don't see the lines. Yeah. So what's the point? And then I got to like 12 weeks out and my boyfriend at the time was like, have you been practicing posing? And I would literally say to him, oh, kind of, <laughs> but I actually didn't. 
um and then it got to like eight weeks out and i was like i should probably stop practicing because you know time time is gonna fly um and then when i actually started practicing i realized how difficult it is especially on skills um and one thing i will say is because i competed with uk bff there's a specific shoe that you have to wear i don't know do you remember this danny you have to wear platform yeah it couldn't have a platform and the ones without platform are actually very difficult to walk on um i think most federations these days allow you to have a platform yeah make it a bit easier so make sure that in advance you know you order some shoes because you can obviously return them if they don't fit or whatever um but be sure you're comfortable with the shoes that you're wearing um because it will make a massive difference and also i don't know if you have the same danny but your foot shrinks so (laughs) so you want i actually got a size smaller luckily because i read about that um but my foot shrunk so you know if you get your normal size it might be a bit too big for you yeah so yeah i would completely agree with everything sammy said there like i was terrible at posing when i first started i didn't have shoes that were comfortable um so really that is something you need to consider and get yourself to events like the compact event where you can actually like have a look at different shoes and see the differences between the different kinds or get yourself to a posing coach who will let you try their shoes on um because it does make an absolutely huge difference and when I switched my shoes that was one of the things which made it so much easier to pose um and it does make a difference on stage as well and a higher heel will generally tend to make your legs look better look leaner and longer um which is obviously what you're looking for um and having a platform helps obviously because it gives you the height but it t- not all the height is through the heel so it makes it easier to walk on um yeah i definitely agree with that and i think i did start my pose nearly but i needed to because i was horrendous i couldn't spread my laps until like a few weeks before my show i think (laughs) i think the funniest thing you see with this is by the way not me making fun of anyone because i was in the same position but it's the arm movements like you know (laughs) you know the stir the pot that's it what is it called (laughs) stirring the pot when people stir the pot (laughs) so funny because you just can't help it and you just do it and like i remember when i watched back my first competition video like I was doing it and I didn't even realize no it it looks so like it looks untidy when people do things like that and it's so easy to get into bad habits with posing so easy which is why me and Sammy recommend going and seeing a posing coach early on to iron out any bad habits because once you get once you like develop those bad habits it's almost impossible to get rid of them it's like deconditioning yourself. Yeah. If you guys are looking for a posing coach, Danny does posing in Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah. I so. do my workshops pretty much every month, which is really cool. Yeah. And I'm sure which Sammy will Which federations do you cover? PCA? PCA, Two Bros, UK, the FBA, and um, UKUP. Yeah. So if you um, come with those federations, feel free to come and see me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely be going. And do you do only bikini, yeah? Yeah, just bikini. Yeah. I'm not an expert with figure. I'll be doing a bit at the Compact event this weekend, um, bikini, which will be really good. 
and Charlotte Pinstock is doing figure. Mm. Um, next thing I would say is planning the season better. So when it comes to picking your competitions, I think um, you need to think of the fact that most federations, they start March, I think. Would you say that, Jenny? Yeah, around March, April. Yeah, around March. And then most of the time, the finals are in October. Yeah. For every federation, the finals are in October. Every single one. If you're doing something like two bros, they this year they're actually having that as well, like a finals. But sometimes, you know, there's federations who, who just have a show and if you place in that show, you get pro gold. But generally speaking, um, you want to try and plan your season so that you either compete early or late so that if you compete early, you have time to kind of go into a mini improvement season and then diet back into the finals or compete late so that you can just kind of continue diet and get leaner for the finals. Because the biggest mistake I made was because of my starting point and I started prepping in December, January, the only show I could really do was like July or later, but I wanted to compete as soon as possible. And my coach said, oh, well, July would be the earliest. So I said, that's it, I'm doing July. Did two competitions in July. Um, I wasn't even gonna do the second one, but my boyfriend at the time was like, why don't you, you're in shape, do it. And then between July and October, it was such an awkward time period because it wasn't enough to kind of do an improvement season. But if I continued dieting, there'd be nothing left of me. So I couldn't even do the finals because my body just stopped responding. Yeah, I completely agree with Sammy. You need to be smart about your competition dates because if your goal is to get to the finals, why on earth would you pick an early show and try and diet all year? you're not going to produce the best version of yourself by doing that, especially as a natural athlete. Um, and you may as well spend some of that time in an improvement season, building muscle tissue before you diet down. Why waste time just dieting all year? There's absolutely no point apart from the desperation to get on stage, which we all understand. Like me and Sammy get itchy feet. Of course we love competing. We're going to want to step on stage but sometimes it pays off to just be a little bit patient. Yeah. The only time I would understand competing early in the year is I actually currently have a client who's doing a PCA qualifier and she lives in Scotland. Yeah. And there's one uh, qualifier in Scotland in the year. So she has to do that one because it saves her having to pay yeah. for travel, stay somewhere else. So that in that case, I understand. But if you can, if you can help it, try and plan your season so that you're not in that situation where yeah. you're kind of like in an awkward time frame. Or um, like you said, Sammy, it is it does work out okay if you do an early qualifier if you have enough muscle tissue this is. Yeah. If you do a really early qualifier, then you reverse out of it. You have a bit of like a almost a mini improvement season in between and then diet back down. But you can only get away with that if you have enough muscle tissue. And you, I wouldn't do it as like a first timer because it's very hard to manage. Definitely. Um, yeah. And then if you can do more than one show, because later when you look back after you finish the season, you'll be thankful that you did that because, you know, it's not going back into competition prep. Like if you want to be smart about it, you don't want to do in the next couple of months. Yeah. 
take some time off. So try and get it done there so that you don't look back and go, oh, I wish I did another show. And think about all the hard work that you've put in just for one show. So I would say try and do two in your first season if you can. I'd completely agree. And another reason for that as well, not just the fact that you're like, obviously you want to show your physique, you're in shape, but it's also stage experience from a posing perspective. Like for me, nothing compares to being on stage. I don't get those nerves doing anything else. So being on stage itself and actually competing gave me confidence. I got better every time and felt more relaxed on stage every time I competed. So whilst you're in shape, try and get a few shows under your belt so that you get that experience and then you become more confident doing it and it feels more natural. Yeah. And also not that in bikini, you really need to put a massive focus on this, but peaking, you know, it's different for everyone. Yeah. And if you run through peak week a couple of times, you then know kind of how to go through it. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree to that. Um, because everyone responds differently. Like Sammy says, you there's not one peak week which fits everybody there's no crazy practice which will get you in the best condition it's a bit of a trial and error situation um so don't be afraid to do a few peak yeah and also to add to that i think the biggest misconception people have especially first timers they think peak week is this magic, magic. <laughs> <laughs> like that is literally what i thought i thought right in peak week i'm gonna look in like insane i'm gonna completely change my body but in reality if you're not lean the first like that first day of peak week or basically in the last week that peak week isn't gonna do anything for you yeah and if you do if you do crazy shit in peak week it's more likely than not just gonna make you look worse than better especially if you're out of shape like you're you're so much more likely to mess your physique up rather than improve it if you do crazy shit like just don't do it is <laughs> really it's reducing any inflammation and potential water retention that you have and just like fine tuning like making you look like that five percent sharper that's it yeah it's just giving you a bit of food to kind of fill your muscles out fill your glycogen stores and make you look a bit healthier as opposed to depleted and like <laughs> Initiated. For bodybuilders, I can see why, you know, it will make a massive difference in terms of like how flat you are. But with bikini, like, come on, you're not you're not looking for that look anyway. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to carb load like a bodybuilder. There's the odd bikini girl who can handle an absolute shit ton of carbs just to make them look a little bit fuller. But most of us really don't need a huge carb load. Um and it's just like Sammy said about making you look a bit less emaciated less stressed a bit fuller through your delts and your glutes etc um as a bikini athlete you want your waist to stay small as well so yeah exactly yeah um next thing i would say did you use any diet hacks whilst you were in prep sammy diet hacks well i courgette was definitely one of them um, I loved courgette, but sugar-free jelly, tea with sweetener, like, you know, those fruity teas that you can get. Yeah. No caffeine ones. Yeah, that, coffee, obviously. Um, 
I think mainly just like, I don't know. I think when you're deep into prep, you kind of, remember we said this, you, you kind of switch your focus off the food. Yeah. Because, well, personally for me, because I had so much to do in the day, I had to do my cardio steps and my training. I didn't have time to think about food really. And I think one thing people don't realize is that those little kind of diet hacks really add up. Like they're not completely calorie free. They do contain some calories, even though it's a small amount. But imagine if you're having like 100 calories a day from diet hacks, what a difference to prep that is going to make. Yeah. So some coaches I know, they actually don't have their clients count vegetables. So they will say, you know, let's say you have 100 grams of chicken, 40 grams rice and veg. And obviously the start of your prep you're probably going to be eating like what 100 to 150 grams of veg and then as you get hungrier that veg is going to increase because you're hungry what you don't realize is that that still has calories in it especially things like broccoli and yeah. if more like colorful vegetables like they have higher carbs in them they will have more calories so you need to be careful with that and something i personally noticed in my prep was in that final month, I remember I got really strict. I cut out things like squash, low calorie sauces, which I was smashing, um, you know, all of the broccoli I was eating. I then switched it over to like asparagus and courgette and my weight just started flying off. Yeah. Because I reduced my calories by like 200 a day or something. And I think that's really important for people to consider. Probably another thing that like maybe we should have, done a bit more research in I think I did track all of my vegetables through my prep but I know you didn't track all of yours Sammy and I think that's something that people need to take into account when they enter a contest prep that veg isn't calorie free I know it's good for you it has obviously an absolute ton of benefits and you need to make sure you're including a decent amount in your diet but you need to track and account for the calories in that veg especially veg like carrots and green beans they are actually quite high in carbs Um, And it will make a difference to your calorie intake. So when someone says they're on like a thousand calories, but then they're not tracking their veg, realistically, they could be on like 1,200, 300. Yeah, exactly. And if you're not going to track your veg, like into my fitness pal, for example, make sure that it's consistent from the start. You know for a fact that you have those 150 gram packs of broccoli, have it and keep it the same because then that way it's not a variable yes exactly like danny told me she knew in prep she was using this sugar-free ketchup always with one meal do you remember i think you said yeah i used to weigh out 25 grams of the like sugar-free ketchup with certain meals but i had the same meals every day and i had the same amount of ketchup on those meals so as long as it's consistent throughout your prep and you're being accurate with it that's what matters prep is all about consistency and accuracy like everything your steps your cardio your training it's all about consistency yeah which leads me on to another thing that um i wish i knew is i thought there was all this like magic stuff especially when you go into contest prep i thought there's going to be something magical but in reality you just have to be consistent like every day you just need to yeah. track everything and just be super Exactly. Like you almost think, oh, there's certain foods that you have to eat on prep, which are going to make the biggest difference. You think there's like 
certain protocols which are going to be an absolute game changer and that it's drastically different from normal fat loss when in reality it's just normal fat loss fat loss but taken to an extreme so you have to be like 10 times as accurate as someone in the general population it's just fat loss but to an extreme and like i would think that in that last week you have to eat fish and asparagus like yeah. it's a really common thing that you hear and that apparently if you do that it's going to get rid of all the water and like all the stuff but that's not true it's just fish has less calories than chicken and asparagus is a low calorie vegetable which apparently has diuretic effects like that's all and um the red wine the night before your show i used to think oh my god <laughs> like that's gonna make me look so tight and dry when in reality it made me look worse like genuinely i compared a picture of a peak week where i had wine the night before my show to one where i didn't and i looked so much worse when i had wine it had the most awful effect on me and i just looked like a skeleton um so don't always believe the kind of little tips and tricks and hype things that people tell you about they're doing during contest prep because some of them are just spread through word of mouth and they are just a myth purely a myth at the end of the day make sure that you have or you hire a coach who's gone through the process before themselves so you don't have to second guess things you know you just need to trust yeah. them exactly i think that's really important actually for a coach to have been through the process because if they haven't they can't really or at least have been close to someone who's been through the process or have seen it um because yeah if they haven't they really don't know what to expect in terms of your tan what you need to do on show day um little things like your hair your makeup your bikini like for example aj obviously he's been close to bikini girls who have prepped so he's seen that um i think that's fine but i think it's important for the coach to have either been through it themselves or been very close to it or followed it closely sort of thing um and that reminds me of when i was getting ready in those final weeks um there was a lot of things that i wasn't sure about like for example prepping your skin for the competition what kind of creams could you use and i actually remember that I messaged Danny asking oh, yeah. about like, can you use cream on your face? Because basically when you get your tan, you need to make sure that leading up to the show and you should get this in like, a, I think if you book your tan with a certain company, they usually send you information about this. At least I did. Um, but you have to use things that are pH friendly. So like shower gels, which are pH friendly to the skin and oil-free moisturizers so i remember the night before my show i actually messaged danny and i was like can i use oil moisturizer on my face and then she was like don't worry they don't tan your face <laughs> but yeah so just little things like that you know there's plenty of youtube videos out there um plenty of girls you can message in the industry about what kind of things you need to have and that's another little thing I do as well. I don't like, they've started tanning some people's faces now at some shows. I don't like it when they tan your face. I don't think it looks good at all. Like male bodybuilding shows, they look off. Like the UKDFBA when AJ competes, 
he looks his face looks awful in terms of the tan so i hate when they tan your face so i purposefully put foundation on when i go for my tan so they can't tan my face because it looks genuinely awful and it's so hard to put makeup on top of because it's so thick yeah exactly um especially for females like you if you're gonna get face makeup which you will you don't need to get a tan there so yeah, definitely make sure that you know the process um, in advance because that last week, peak week, you don't want to be stressing about those little details like how am I going to wear my hair? What kind of makeup am I going to have? Do I need to prep my skin? Yes. Yeah. So you do that all in advance. And I actually made a list of things that I need for the show. Um, and funny enough, one of the things was uh, get a cup, literally any cup, and a plastic <laughs> cup. Plastic cup. Make a hole in the bottom because think about it. Once you get your tan in the morning, because most tans are done in the morning, and you need to use the toilet. You don't want to have any, you know, leaks on your legs or anything. <laughs> it's a bit, honestly, it's a huge tip, and you'll be thankful for it. So use a cup. Um, make sure you have like the little things like a sewing kit. What if something goes wrong with your bikini? Yeah, I even used to take spare heels. I used to take a spare pair of heels, like my practice heels, because imagine if they broke, like seriously. Yeah, exactly. Nothing you can do about it. If you have extra bikinis, take extra bikini. I realize if it's your first competition, you're probably not going to have that. Um, but yeah, just make sure that you kind of bring extra stuff rather yeah. than not enough. Yeah. And it, at the end of the day, like if you if something does happen, usually someone will have something you can borrow. Like someone who's not on stage at that time might have an extra pair of shoes or something. But don't bank on that. Like if you've got a spare, take it with you. Um, it'll just put your mind at ease massively. Yeah. Um, I think another thing I wish I had nailed before I started my first contest prep was my environment. Like who I was surrounded by and um, what environment I was training in, for example, because recently, obviously, my who I'm surrounded by has changed. I've now got AJ by my side um, and it makes the biggest difference when you're surrounded by people who actually support you and understand what you do. Obviously, I have me and Sammy have made friends and it just makes the biggest difference to have people who actually get you and understand you because when I first started competing, everyone looked at me like I was crazy. Like nobody understand what I understood what I did. Um, I didn't really have friends who were in the industry. So it was all a bit bizarre and unfamiliar to them. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And not many people do unless they do it themselves. Um, so it almost feels very lonely. And I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to this. Sammy can probably relate to this but it does feel very lonely when you first get into the industry. However, it can get better. You will make friends um, who do get what you do. So don't worry about that. And I've actually had this conversation with a few clients recently as well about how they're not necessarily right now surrounded by people who do get it. And you've got to reach out and anyone who doubts you or looks down on you for doing what you're doing, it, I question whether they actually care about you because if they do care about you, they should be happy to see you doing what you want to do and what makes you happy. Um, and 
they should be happy to see you succeed. So surround yourself with people who are happy to see you succeed and those who aren't turn a blind eye to it. That's what I would say anyway. Yeah. And unfortunately, bodybuilding is a selfish sport. And, you know, if you want to do well in your prep, you will have to sometimes sacrifice things like social occasions. Like, sure, you can still obviously go out and see your friends, but you won't, you won't be able to, you know, take part in meals and things like that. Um, and I know that something that definitely in my contest prep, like the only person I really spoke to was my boyfriend at the time. And I was so fortunate to have him because I feel like if I didn't have him by my side, I wouldn't have been able to compete. Um, yeah. He was literally, because he also competed. Um, I saw him compete for, for two years before I did my contest prep. So I kind of knew what to expect. And then he knew how to help me. So it really made a massive difference. Um, and there were days when like, I literally just didn't want to do my steps or whatever. And he was like, no, let's go. I'll do them with you. You know, so it's nice to have that, to have someone by your side who's willing to kind of, you know, do what it takes to help you. Um, but definitely the people who actually cared about me, which is my family, um, my best friend um, who lives in London, like I didn't speak to her for months, but she came to my competition in the end, you know, and I've known her since childhood. So it, w it really means a lot that those people, no matter what, they were still there for me. Um, so yeah, make sure that you're surrounded by the right people. Yeah. Um. And at the end of the day, some people just won't understand and that's okay. And it's okay for people. I think it's absolutely fine for, you know, friends and family or whatever to, to not understand as long as they still respect and support you. Um, but if they kind of look down on you or make negative comments towards you, that's really not fair. Um, so potentially look at, you know trying to get away from that environment if people are making negative comments towards you fair enough if they're just not into it like if they don't compete themselves and they're not like buzzing about it but they still support you they're still your friend that's cool but if someone's actually making negative remarks towards you that's not fair and that's nothing that you should feel bad about so try and remove yourself from that environment sort of thing yeah um and to add to that like for example my dad actually like didn't support any of this so but luckily my mom did so what I did was I, I said to myself I'm just going to show him why I want to do this so then actually when I competed and won my first competition he actually messaged me and apologized so yeah. you're gonna have that and I think the best thing you can do is keep your head down do it for you and no one else yeah and at the end of the day it's a bizarre sport like we choose to get on stage in a bikini and have like five judges judge us on what we look like it's like an orange tan <laughs> yeah it's to to most people it's absolutely crazy and you've got to be like yeah what i do is a bit crazy but you've got to do it for yourself sort of thing not to please anyone else because <laughs> it's just crazy <laughs> Yeah, so make sure that you're in a positive environment, financially stable, um, yeah. going into contest prep, because those things are most likely not going to improve when you're, you know, on low carbs. <laughs> yeah, and when you're stressed, you're not going to succeed with fat loss to the best of your ability, and it's going to make prep a million times harder. So make sure stress is at an absolute minimum um, 
when you do start your contest prep because it's only going to get worse like Sammy says as you go through your prep um, and therefore it's going to make fat loss very hard which is what you need to achieve um also when it comes to bikinis make sure that you don't order your bikini too early because especially when it's your first competition prep you don't know where you're gonna where fat is gonna come off if that makes sense yeah. so, you don't know what your measurements are going to be when you're shredded yeah so i would say most bikini makers they recommend you to order like six to eight weeks out yeah um, and usually when they make things like your your bottoms they leave a gap so that then you can um make it smaller if you need to yeah um, yeah make sure that you don't order it too early and also if you're competing with the federation that's quite flexible with what kind of suit you wear you know it might be worth kind of seeing what kind of style would fit you because with different body shapes different styles fit and for example for me unfortunately because i i ordered from russia my bikini from russia and i didn't have much time to kind of like receive the bikini and then if i had an issue send it back um my bikini top was a bit too big for me so then what happened is it covered my lats because the bikini was too big from the front which obviously isn't flattering so you want to make sure that the bikini fits you well. And the best yeah. way to do that is obviously work with someone or order it from someone who you can be in contact with. And if you need to send it back, you can send it back to make any kind of adjustment. And if you have breast implants, tell the whoever's making your bikini, tell them because they'll advise you on what salad bikini to go for. And obviously you won't need a ton of padding in the cup <laughs> because it will just be way too much. So tell them that you have implants if you do. It's really important. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, that's quite a lot of things, I think. Yeah, we've covered quite a lot. Um, but if you guys have any other questions for me and Sammy about like prep, if you're competing for the first time and you're feeling a bit unsure about things, just drop us a message. We're always happy to chat to you guys on Instagram or wherever. Yeah. And also we just both really want to thank every one of you who listens to our podcast, um, the new listeners as well. And just, it's nice to hear that people from all over the world are listening to this. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, we always are ready for any feedback you have or any episodes that you want us to do or any guests that you'd like to see on the podcast. Please drop either of us a message or even drop it on the Female Fitness Podcast Instagram page and we'll definitely try and organize that. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. So just drop us a message um, if you want to chat or if you've got any recommendations or anything. Um, and thank you for listening as always. Thank you. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.